Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful to be in church today? Amen. God bless you and thank you for being here. It's that woeful season we call summertime and with summertime comes vacation time and uh, so it looks like every week we just welcome another family home as we wave goodbye (laughs) to others but it's a wonderful thing to be able to get away but we just sure want you to know that we miss you when you're not here and we're thankful that you're back in the house of the Lord with us today and and um, as it's already been stated we're going to be for the month of July We're going to be talking about uh, being in step with the Spirit. And I hope you've enjoyed every month the series of just a common theme and the continuity that runs between those. And and, um, I appreciate the wonderful job that uh, all the speakers are doing with these lessons and uh, just helping us to become better. And uh, there's there's nothing more advantageous than just letting the Word of God be the centerpiece. And uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, I believe it is, uh, the Bible talks about the shekel, but not just the shekel, but the shekel of the sanctuary. And uh, so when everything was brought back into, uh, into balance at the, at the end, everything had to be weighed against the shekel of the sanctuary. And so I'm thankful today for the Word of God because it is the benchmark And that's what we're weighing our lives against today. Not one another, not one another, but we're just trying to be in step with the Spirit of God, the Word of God. And uh, so I pray this morning that the the Holy Ghost will just speak to our heart. And we're going to be talking somewhat in the month of July uh, about the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, to some degree in each lesson. So let's ask the Lord to help us and understand, understand and underline the importance of this in our lives. Now, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, whatever is your preferred approach to that. Or, or, but in our lives is such an important thing. Because the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God in us is a transforming agent. We don't get the Holy Ghost just so we can count another number or have some sort of boasting rights, but it's the Spirit of God in us that gives us the the power and the ability to be transformed. Because without the Spirit of God, we are driven by flesh, absolutely driven by flesh instead of being led by the Spirit. And so this in turn... Uh, if when we are when we are allowing the spirit of God to lead us instead of the flesh to drive us, that gives room in our lives for the spirit of God to help us develop the fruit of the spirit. The Bible says in Galatians five and twenty five, we live in the spirit, so let us walk in the spirit. We live in the spirit. If we live in the spirit, then we need to walk 
in the spirit. So we're talking this morning about how to keep in step. And it's very, very important that we keep in step. And, uh, you know, some, some people, and this is not a statement of criticism, just a statement of fact, but some people have no rhythm. <laughs> and so, you know, everybody else is clapping on time and they're just somewhere in between, you know. And, uh, and so um, I, I was listening to a, a preacher this week. I was listening to him preach. And so at the end of his message, he just, they were in their home church and he just started singing. And while he is a tremendous preacher, uh, he is not a singer. <laughs> and, uh, and so he just began to, he began to sing in his own classic way. He was just somewhere in the, in between the keys there, just somewhere. And so he turned around and he said, how is it that every time I sing, y'all play off key? <laughs> how is it? I mean, he just, he just, he just threw all the whole team right under the bus. Every time I sing, you guys play off key. And uh, so we need to learn how to be in step, in step with the spirit. And uh, I believe that the Lord will help us to follow his leading and so if we walk in the Spirit, I just want you to understand something. And, and I, 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 let me rephrase that. I want us to be reminded of something. I think we understand it, but we forget from time to time. But if we walk in the Spirit, we are going to be out of step with the world. And so sometimes it gets wearisome because we feel persecuted or isolated or not included because uh, somebody thinks that uh, the way we live or the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you dress is just so foreign. But if we are walking in the Spirit, we ought to be out of step with our culture because our culture is certainly not walking. They're not led of the Spirit. They're driven by the flesh. And all you would have to do today to... To understand the truth of what I just said is don't, don't, but you could just get up right here and just go to town and just go in any store. And you watch how people are living, talking, dressing, and you'll find out that, that we ought to be out of step with that. We should be out of step with that. And uh, so our culture should not set the, the pace for which we live or which we walk. And so those who walk in the Spirit respond uh, to life differently than those who don't walk in the spirit and uh, you know life just happens and it happens to all of us with or without the Holy Ghost life happens and so it's how you respond to those things and the spirit helps us to respond differently to the situations and the circumstances that we face in our lives that, that same book, Galatians, in the same chapter 5, but verse number 16 said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And so if we walk in the Spirit, and so here, here's the bottom line. If we are doing things to gratify our flesh and we constantly have to pray over that, that's a wonderful sign that we are not walking in the Spirit. And so that's not there to condemn us. That's not there to beat us over the head, but that is there as a reminder to say, hey, I need to do something about this. I need to get closer to the Lord. And so Paul goes on in this fifth chapter to list some of the works of the flesh. And it's a pretty dirty laundry list, to be honest. It's adultery and fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and then he says, and such like. And so that means this is not an exhaustive list. 
And so if we just if we just don't get involved in these few things that are listed here, then we'll be all right. But such like. And then Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And so we should notice the contrast between those two things, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. They are opposed to one another. And so when Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit, he doesn't talk about it as though it's various kinds of fruits like apples and bananas and oranges, but he doesn't speak of it in that. He, he doesn't refer to that as various kinds of fruit. He talks about singularly the fruit of the Spirit because if he's talking about the fruits, plural, of the Spirit, then that would imply that we could have apples, but we may not have bananas. Or we might have oranges, but we don't have something else. And so if we turn that into a spiritual uh, connotation, then we might possess gentleness, but we don't have peace. And so Paul is not saying that we can have a little bit of this, but we need to develop all of this, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, singularly. Amen. The nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, of course, are all different in, in, uh, in, in application or in expression, but it, it is all what God is trying to develop in us and through us. And so when we allow the Spirit of God to be at work in our lives, the end result of that is the fruit of the Spirit. They're collective. It's a collection uh, of the characteristics of the Spirit that reside in us. And so if we don't express these traits, then at the bottom line, we are not producing fruit if we don't express those traits. The idea of being in step with the Spirit is an awareness that the Spirit, how the Spirit of God would act and how the Spirit of God would operate in our lives. But it begins with having the Spirit residing in us. And we need that desperately. We need that. The fruit of the Spirit is just a natural byproduct. It comes to us because we have the Holy Ghost. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit is not something that we can put on uh, like a garment in order to appear spiritual for a season or for an occasion or for a moment. Amen. But it is something that we lay down with at night. We wake up with it in the morning. We take the fruit of the Spirit with us to our jobs. We take the fruit of the Spirit with us wherever we go. Amen. It's a natural result. It's something that just happens in our life. It's the outcome of the Spirit being in us. And so I would just underline again the importance that we should never, ever tell someone that they got the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because they may take that and they may take your word for that and, and, and stop searching and seeking and reaching for that. And so this is not a score. This is not a game. This is not something that we're just trying to keep a tally of. We need the Spirit of God because it's the Spirit of God, amen, that helps us produce and, and the, the, the attributes of God, the characteristics of God. But if the Spirit is not present, then obviously there's not going to be fruit that can grow because we need the fundamental aspect of the Spirit in our lives. Bearing fruit is not uh, the result of an experience at all with the Spirit. Bearing fruit is a result of, of being con consistently filled with the Spirit. Not just a one-time thing. Amen. And I, I hope that, that all of us understand the importance of, of, of praying through again and again 
and again and again. We don't need to just pray through one time and say, well, I got that over with, got that out of the way. That's just like saying I love you one time and I got that out of the way and over with. We ought to, everything about us, not just our verbiage, but everything about us ought to be an expression of love. Everything about us should be an expression of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, those in the upper room were filled with the Spirit. Paul would later offer a practical and, a, and spiritual instructions to the church at Ephesus. And uh, this is kind of the centerpiece of our reading today. In the 18th verse, he says, Be not drunk with wine, where is, an, is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And Paul was not <clears throat> talking some about some strange expression of spirituality, but he was encouraging them to get full and stay full of the Spirit. Because being filled with the Spirit, that's what produces fruit in us. Uh, uh, Any plant that doesn't have the proper nutrition is not going to be able to produce what it would just ordinarily on its own produce. Amen. And so it's the same way spiritually. If we are consistently robbing ourselves of the inpouring of His Spirit through His Word, through prayer many other means, then we're not going to have the same result in fruit. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody here ever ran out of gas in your automobile? I got a way better response than that. I just figured for sure everybody was going to go slip off into denial about that. Ran out of gas in our automobile before. I remember many years ago, um, I filled up, our car on the way home from work, my car on the way home from work. And, uh, and so the next morning I got up at three o'clock, uh, every day to go to work and I left the house just a little bit after that. And so somewhere around maybe three thirty in the morning, I just in the middle of absolute nowhere, I ran out of gas and I didn't realize it, but somebody had siphoned all the gas out of the car, but I didn't have a gas gauge. I had a gas gauge. It didn't have a working gas gauge. And, uh, <laughs> And so here, here I am in 3.30 in the morning. That's a strange feeling. When uh, I've never been big on hitchhiking to begin with because I just never had the nerves to, to do all that. And um, I'm just, don't feel, don't lose confidence in me. I've just not been all that brave about stuff like that. But, uh, but needing to catch a ride with somebody at 3.30 in the afternoon would be one thing. But when you need a ride at 3.30 in the morning, because there's, there's just a few people out at 3.30 in the morning... <laughs> And uh, so from time to time, I'll just move on. From time to time, we just have to make sure. Now, that was, I had no, no way to stop that. I had no way to prevent that outside of repairing the gas gauge. But I had no way to, to fix that. But the only other time I can remember running out of gas is my cousin and I had been to a meeting in Memphis, Tennessee. And so we were driving back home. I was driving his vehicle. We had filled up. And uh, we, were, we were just lost in conversation, and we were driving and just kind of got lost for the time and almost made it to Live Oak just before the, uh, between the Highway 90 exit and the 129 exit, we ran out of gas. And, and it was just one of those vehicles that it just kind of coughed one time, and that was it. <laughs> and there we were, two grown men. Let that resonate a little bit. No sense in finger pointing. I was driving. It was my responsibility to keep up with the gauge. 
and we're out of gas. Thankfully, uh, someone uh, like a maybe a logger or something like that came along with a truck, had gas cans on it, and he just put a little gas in it, and we paid him a little bit for the gas, and, and we were just in such a hurry to try to get away from there because it was such an embarrassing thing. <laughs> So one thing at 3.30 in the morning, but there wasn't that many people out there to see that, but we're on the interstate and several people could see and you're holding that gas can up and don't you know people are riding by going like, what's the deal? What's the deal? I've got to move on here. But you see, just merely living life, you, it doesn't take a catastrophe. You don't have to have some calamity just land on your front door to drain you. Life. Just life. And so we weren't racing down the interstate. We were just driving down the interstate. And it's just the consumption of what it takes to get from point A to point B that just drains. And it drains so slow until sometimes you just look up. And, and uh, thankfully, we have all kind of warnings today and uh, little lights that come on, bells that come on. Am I right? And uh, we've, we've been very thankful for them from time to time. And a few, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, I backed into uh, Sister Mia Anderson with my wife's car. And uh, on a Wednesday, Wednesday night, I got here, had to run back home for something. And I accidentally backed into Sister Mia's car. And uh, our good brother Harden, brother Kevin Harden, he said, I thought you had a backup camera. I, said, I do. And, uh, I just happened to buy the model of car trying to save a little money. I bought the model of car that didn't have a hand that comes out and slaps you when you said, enough, enough, enough. Look at, look at the screen. Look at the screen. We went to all this trouble to put the screen, and you didn't look at the screen. Just life. Well, you really enjoy when, when other people mess up, don't you? You're, that's, that's cold and calculating. <clears throat> And so here it is, it's just life, the draining, trying to get from point A to point B, those things that, that signal us, and there are signals, there are signs that come our way that says, you need to wait, you need to stop. There, there's something in our spirit that halts us. And so often, because we have the ability to override that gut check, that feeling, we override that, and we find ourselves in extreme trouble. Now, uh, there is, uh, I, I think that sometimes we... Uh, fail to understand just how draining life can be on our spirit. We, we know it can be physically and mentally and the stress that all that takes on us, but we have to understand that, that we need to be filled on a daily basis. There's a difference between being filled with a spirit and then just being merely active in a church environment. No one can be a fruitful Christian by just a steady diet of activity and busyness. As a matter of fact, uh, busyness alone can take a toll on a person spiritually. Amen. I'm going to tell you that you can just lose out with God. Hear me this morning. You can lose out with God doing godly things, doing God business, doing God stuff. You can teach a Sunday school class. You can do all sorts of things. And so it's not the busyness of activity about godly things and church things. There are times that we have to stop and say, you know what, I've got to get something in I've got to take something in today. I've got to get it in me. Amen. I need the word of the Lord. I need, I'm talking about me. I need the word of the Lord in my heart. I was working at the church. I'm just testifying. I was working at the church one day this week. And, and when I got home, my wife said, how did it go? I said, I had a great day. I listened to seven sermons today. 
<laughs> Amen. I've, and why? Why? Because I need to get something in me. I need my mind to be challenged, my heart to be challenged. And amen, I, I, I just had to send a text message to a couple of those men and say, thank you for preaching to me today. Amen. Thank you for the word of God. Why? Because we need the spirit of the Lord to be in us. If his spirit is not in us, we are not going to be able to produce what his spirit desires for us to produce. And so if we're not careful, we fail to understand that it's that alone time, that downtime, that just stopping. And isn't that difficult to do today? It is so difficult to do that today, to completely disconnect, to completely unplug. Amen. But it's at that time of stillness with God that the Spirit can give birth to something in our heart. Amen. And so that that real productivity comes truly out of moments of solitude and just letting the spirit of the Lord speak to our heart. But here's what we're guilty of. In those moments of solitude, when we think, I'm gonna take just a few moments out, that's when our mind is just assaulted with all kind of things that we ought to be doing. And so we often jump out out of that moment of solitude and, and run go do those things that need to be done. Amen. And what we do in that moment is we circumvent what the Spirit of the Lord was wanting to do in our life. Amen. And sometimes if we are, if we're not careful, uh, I don't think, I, 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 I've seen this happen too many times that, that a lot of times talent or a person's talent or a person's natural ability has allowed them to create a false sense of being spiritual. Because you can be very gifted in some areas and that kind of come across as being very spiritual. But I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter how well you can speak. What really matters is how well you can pray. It doesn't matter how how well you can organize or administrate, uh, administer something. What really matters is what is our life with God truly like? Do we study the Word of God? Do we read the Word of God? Do we dig into the Word of God? Do we let the Word of God dig into us? Why? I'm trying to produce the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in my life, and I must understand the value of the fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit may not reveal itself in the context of some sort of spiritual environment uh, like perhaps being in a church service. It's easy. It's easy to kind of portray some of the fruit of the Spirit in an atmosphere like we're in right now. But when we get someone out of that atmosphere or when we ourselves are indeed out of that atmosphere, you might see what they're really made of. I, I will never get through today, so I'm just going to just say what I feel in my heart. A number of years ago, probably 30, uh, 30, I don't know, maybe even 35 years ago or so, somewhere between there, my wife and I, one of the very first church conferences we ever went to, we were in another city in a large hotel that, um, that has the ability to uh, house venues such as that. Uh, we, were at, we were checking in, and, and of course, it was a very, very large hotel we were certainly not the only group that was there. Many other businesses were having conventions and things of that nature. And, and uh, my wife and I were standing there and about, I don't know, so many, so many receptionists down. Uh, there was a man, uh, a well-dressed man, and, and some uh, apparently from what we could overhear, we weren't trying to eavesdrop, trust me, it was for all to hear. There had been some kind of uh, confusion with their re- reservation. And of course, what you have to bear in mind is the young lady that just showed up for work today that happened to be standing behind the counter didn't even make the reservation. 
We all clear? She just innocently came to work. All of a sudden, their reservation is messed up. I've been on the other side of that counter. I've, I've had our reservations messed up. Our rooms were canceled last year at General Conference. We knew that when we were standing there with a buggy all loaded, waiting for our key. But you've got to figure out how to handle that. And what happened to me, even though it was, it was a very stressful situation, but I remember the incident that I'm telling you about today. And he began to chew her out. I felt so sorry for that young girl. I was thinking, my Lord. I mean, it's not necessary to do all this and to create all the, all the shenanigans. And, uh, and uh, I, I, she just was on the other side of that counter at the verge of tears. She was very innocently. I was stunned while all of this played out. But I was only half as stunned as I was going to be in the future. Because I was doubly stunned when I got to church that night and realized he was a part of our group. I was like, wow. Wow. It's when you get someone out of that environment. How are we going to reveal the fruit of the Spirit then? We'll be patient, kind. Amen. We've we, we got to handle this somehow. Because life comes at us. Amen. And so we, we have to, we can't just do things pretentiously because situations will come along to test us and to try, just to try what we're made of, out of. Amen. Life will put you close enough to the fire to see what's really there. Amen. Another, another word um, fitting such a person is the word insincere. And that's a word we're very familiar with. We've, we've all met people that were very insincere. They were pretentious. It, they weren't really to the core what they uh, displayed on the outside. And we use that word from time to time. It's a word and it is a contrasting word to the word sincere. I found this interesting. In its, in its original usage, the word sincere was used when it was speaking about the making and the construction of furniture. Dishonest furniture makers would take bad wood and they would fill in the cracks and all the blemishes of the wood with wax. And so it would give the appearance that everything is all right until an unwitting homeowner pushed the couch too close to the fireplace. And then the wax would melt and then all of a sudden, way too late, you found out that you had an insincere piece of furniture. It was something that just looked the part. It was wonderful. It, was, it just looked the part. But it was really the hands of a dishonest furniture maker. Amen. It was that man that said, we'll do this just enough to get by. We just got to get it out the door. It's got that... It's got that parking lot warranty on it. You know, just as soon as you leave the parking lot, it belongs to you. And it was coming from the hands of someone very insincere. And can I tell every one of us, including me tonight, today, that what we're made of is going to be really revered, revealed when life pushes us a little bit close to the fire. If we've, if we've just got wax filling all the, the, the flaws of our life, it's going to reveal itself. Amen. How we act. What do the people think about you that work with you? Not those that worship with you, but those that work with us. The people that we deal with in life, in real life situations. What does the landlord think of us? What's the mortgage company think of? What's the finance company that finances our car think about us? Amen. 
That's what really matters. That's what really matters. And so we got to be sincere. Amen. We got to have substance in our life. Paul said again in verse 25, we, if we live in the spirit, then let us walk. Let us walk in the spirit. Amen. We've got to understand the value of being in step, in harmony with the spirit, keeping in step with the spirit. Maybe a, a good place to define this would be to ask ourselves, how is it then that we get in step with the spirit? Perhaps it can be seen in the case where the spirit is not present amen earlier I mentioned the car being out of gas when the spirit is not present the works of the flesh are most likely going to define the person's behavior amen when the spirit is not present that's when tempers are going to fly amen that's when words are going to be hurled that's when this is going to happen and that's going to happen the list could go on and on and on amen we can be out of step with the spirit when we choose to ignore the instruction of the spirit can I clearly confess something to you today? I'm not just trying to hang my laundry out. I want you to understand that we all face the same thing. There are times when the Spirit of God checks my heart. I, I, I need to stop. I need, I've gone deep enough in this conversation. And I've overrode that. Amen. We, we have all been right there. Even the quiet ones this morning. We've all been right there. When the Spirit said no, and we just leaned in just a little bit more. I'm not saying that because I'm proud of that. I'm telling you that when we ignore what the Spirit is trying to say, that means we are not in step with the Spirit. And i got to do something about that, and i got to do something about that yesterday. Not get around to it, not when it is convenient, but i got to ask God to forgive me. Amen. I need to ask the Lord to forgive me, and I need to move forward in that very moment. Amen. The works of the flesh, that's what defines. And so we got to get full and stay full. <laughs> when I was uh, just a young teenager, I, I remember meeting a man uh, who was just a little bit older than me, and, and he, he made a, a statement. I'm sure he has no idea that it, that, that it stuck with me, that it stayed with me. And it, all, all through the years, amen, he said, he said, I never allow my car to get past half empty. When it gets half empty or thereabout, that's when I need to fill up again. And, uh, and, and I was just a, a young man, didn't even own a car at that time, but I wasn't too far from being able to own one. And, and uh, maybe he was, that's why he was saying that. And, and he said, that way I've always got gas. I know that just seems like a real shallow principle, but I'm going to tell you that's a wonderful thing, especially depending on how far you live away from the gas station. Amen. Because it's the same price. To ride around on full or to ride around on empty. Amen. But there are some people that are chronically riding around on empty. Amen. If you live far out like some of all of us live uh, quite a ways. Not everybody lives out of town. But some of our congregation lives out of town. And so we have this clear understanding. If something happens, a crisis happens at 2 o'clock in the morning. We need to take one thing off our checklist. And I know I got enough gas to get me wherever I need to go. And so can I tell you that it's the same price to live for God 
always half full or the same price always half empty but I never have to live in this crisis of wondering have I, have I got enough power to pray have I got enough anointing to pray amen I, I don't, I shouldn't, we should not have to kneel down and try to get everything right because we need to pray and ask God Lord I know what I did yesterday I know what I did this afternoon I need to get right because I need you to heal my child no we don't need to live half empty between half and empty we need to live between half and full it's no different. It's no different. It's no different. It's no different. And so we just pray and ask God to help us to have that, uh, that half empty, or half full rather, uh, state of mind. I want to stay full of the Spirit. In the book of Acts chapter 6 and 7, we are introduced to a man by the name of Stephen. Now, Stephen was a man that was going to have a tremendous impact on the New Testament church. And so we get acquainted with Stephen. This is where we find him. This is too important to skip over. So please stay tuned in with me today. We are introduced to him in Acts 6. And the reason we are even introduced to him is because there was a conflict that arose within the New Testament church. And there was, uh, there was the Grecian widows that were not being taken care of. And so in all of their busyness, the disciples were made aware of that some people are getting, get being left out. And so in response to the problem, the 12 apostles felt, felt to commission seven men, seven men who would work to fix this problem. So the apostles sought out individuals who were men of honest report. You can read this in Acts 6, full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. And so Stephen was one of these men that was selected to help take care of of this problem. Acts 6 and 5 adds that Stephen was also full of faith. Now we know very, very little about the actual work of Stephen or really any of those, any of those men. By definition, they were servants. So what Stephen was asked to do and these other men were asked to do by caring for these Grecian widows, can I, can I just be it had to be pretty practical things. And so what is it that you need today? Well, my window won't come up but halfway. Can you, can you figure out what's wrong with the window? What's wrong? We're going to show up over here and find out what's wrong over here. Well, I need somebody to cut my grass. I need somebody to... This board fell off my house. It had to be very practical things. Doesn't sound too churchy, does it? Doesn't sound too spiritual, does it? But they were very practical things. But Stephen and these other men faithfully carried out these responsibilities. And what he was really doing without even realizing it was he was preparing himself for something very, very significant. In actuality, what he was doing was going to prepare him to deal with a situation that eventually arose among the Jewish leadership. And Stephen ended up as the very first martyr of the New Testament church. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to get out of this line. But, but really hear me. In the work of just practical application and doing what needed to be done, it wasn't always fun. Stephen's faithfulness and his fruitfulness existed before he ever preached Christ to the Jewish leaders. But God had him 
in the back room working on him. I'm gonna, I want to teach you how to be faithful and loyal and, and just be faithful at practical things. Amen. Stephen the servant was eventually used in apostolic gifts. Read about his life. It is, in, it is, a, it is an amazing story. Amen. I will tell you this, that, that you don't promote people in hopes that the promotion will make them faithful. You promote faithful people. And that's how God works. God doesn't say, well, I'm going I'm to raise you to another level of calling and maybe you can get some things shored up in your lives. Maybe you can start praying more, giving more consistently. Maybe you'll be more consistent in your church attendance and prayer if I just promote you. That's not how God works. God promotes faithful people. Amen, you find that in the talents, don't we? Amen, the man who did the least had it taken away from him and who got it? The man who did the most. And so God promotes faithful people. In Acts 6 and 8, the Bible says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Amen, this is the man who got his training by learning how to be a servant. Amen, he learned how to serve. And in that act of submission, God promoted him and I'm going to tell you today that we can submit ourselves to success in the kingdom of God you define success ever how you want to but I believe that we can submit ourselves to success if God understands that we can be trusted with the small things then he will give us charge of the big things but we first must prove ourselves in the school of small things Amen. There's an interesting side note here. The Spirit, I think, tends to take faithful people to other levels of service. There can be little doubt that Stephen was a fruitful servant. Therefore, God could use him in weightier matters and deeper issues and the wonders and the miracles were not based on Stephen's ability or his potential. Stephen was being directly used because he was directly connected as a faithful servant to the widows who needed him desperately. There's a word in, in, in that Luke used to describe Stephen several times, and that word is full. <laughs> full. Stephen was a full man. Amen. He was full of faith. He was full of power, full of the Holy Ghost, full of grace. Amen. In the scripture, to be full generally means to be controlled by. And so Stephen was directed by the Spirit of God, directed by the power of grace, directed by the power of faith. He was controlled by those things. And as a result of the Spirit, Stephen, amen, as a result, the Spirit used Stephen in such a manner. And so because he was elevated, you ready for this? He became a target. <laughs> Someone said if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? It's the tallest trees that catch the most wind. And so the Lord elevated him, and when the Lord elevates you, you become a target. I'm not saying that to scare us away. And so the Jews hired men to to lie about what Stephen had said and, and everything just seemed to be spiraling out of control. But Stephen was so full of the Spirit that even under duress, he was being led of the Spirit. And in this unbelievable situation, he displayed the fruit of the Spirit. His gentleness, his goodness in the face of persecution clearly evidenced that he was a man led of God. 
The liar stirred the people to the point of, of Stephen being brought before the council and the, and, the, and the chief of the council asked, are these things true? Is this, or what they're saying, is this, is this really so? He's called to give an account. Stephen and the spirit within him were under duress and under fire to say the least. The pressure was on. However, his reaction was very, very revealing. In response to the chief's question, Stephen did not even defend himself against the liars. He did not jump up on his own pedestal. That, that runs against our grain, doesn't it? He didn't defend himself. As a matter of fact, he took the opportunity of this moment. It is an incredible passage of Scripture. Acts 7. He took this moment to fully define and declare Jesus Christ. You mean you read Acts 7. It's like going all the way back to the beginning. And so Stephen was saying, while these men are like, you know, he could have been defending himself. He could have had his feelings hurt. He could have been behind the stage pouting. But he said, while I got the mic, let me tell you who Jesus is. (laughs) And there was not one person in that crowd that hurled a stone at him, Brother Rayleigh, that had not heard the gospel. I got one more thing to say. And he preached a very powerful message, a very succinct message. Amen. He started with where his audience was in their thinking. And he just began to address them and he built upon that understanding. However, his simple instruction regarding the Messiah was so disconcerting to the audience that as he spoke, the crowd got angrier and angrier and angrier. And eventually, that crowd would stone him to death. How strange, how strange. We'll ask our musicians to come. But being full of the Holy Ghost, displaying the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want to be real clear about something here because sometimes we think that this is the lack of courage or being spineless. But can I tell you, it takes a whole lot more discipline to keep your mouth shut than it does to open it. It takes a whole lot more strength to just hold your peace. Because you see, any old fool can get in the mud. But it takes a wise sage to know when to speak and when to hush. And so this is not, I am, I am not portraying to you a spineless man who didn't have the ability or the wherewithal to defend himself. No, 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 not at all. Stephen was anything but that. He called them out who were, who were wrongly judging him and he indicted them with his very words. Amen, let's stand. Stephen died without a trial. No legal procedures to approve his death. It was just a mob court. He was treated unfairly. There's no doubt about that. Yet, as he was being stoned, Acts 7, he said to the Lord, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Wow. Wow. He could have been picking stones up and throwing them back. It was the fruit of the Spirit, that long-suffering, that self-control. 
Now, was all this for naught? Many of you know the answer to that. It could have been thought that, well, his whole life was lived for nothing. He could have thought, well, that last sermon I really thought was going to move the world. It kind of fell on deaf ears. But you see, the fruit of the Spirit is God's larger strategy. And you know, many of you know, that there was a man standing there by the name of Saul who was holding the coats of them that were stoning. And he could not get the image of this man dying and the words of him saying, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Forgive them. He could not banish the image of him looking up into heaven. He could not banish that. And something began to gnaw in his spirit. And he was Saul then, but he became Paul, and he became the greatest contributor by number of books to the New Testament church. Amen. So today, can I tell you that someone is watching us? Now, the main person watching us is the Lord. Someone is watching us, and we should be very, very careful that we stay in step with the Spirit. Lord, how would you have me handle this? What would you have me say? What would you have me to do? Can we slip our hands up and can we ask the Lord to touch this word to our heart? In the name of Jesus, I love you today, God. I love you today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.